It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're very welcome to Tuesday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Have you got those knock-knock jokes? I'll be needing them in a little while and I'll be reminding you of the Senator Winders competition this week where you can win a brand new front door, a composite front door worth €2,000. So get cracking, be thinking them up. I'm coming back to it in a little while on the show. Lots of chat, music and more besides over the next couple of hours. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text if you'd like to get in touch with us on the show. Did you know that trees are in focus in Ireland this week? Yes, it's National Tree Week and I'm delighted to say hello again to the President of the Tree Council of Ireland, Aina Nilauna. Hello, Aina. Hello, how are you doing? Are you well? I'm really well and I love this week. It's such an important week. And you know what I was thinking, Aina, with the uh, publication of the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change report yesterday and all the talk about biodiversity, your theme this year, Biodiversity Begins With Trees, is so relevant. Well, it is indeed, because obviously we need more trees in Ireland. We need to restore our biodiversity. And that's what we're encouraging people to do this week. Go out and plant trees. And then that will that will add greatly to the amount of, you know, interest there is in trees around the country. And at this time, are we still uh, time enough with bare roots, you know, compared to container uh, oh, yeah, this, this, is yes. the, this is the end of it now. This yeah. is when we do by the end of March. We've given uh, our sponsor, Acrylcha, have given us 15,000 trees, and the county councils have taken a delivery of those. And so, if you know, they're giving them out in each county to, to groups who want to plant trees, like groups like tidy towns or school groups, or you know, but mm. you plant them in public places and you apply to the council, get your, get your trees, have a little tree event, and plant the tree. And this is what we're doing for National Tree Week. And these are bare rooted trees and there is still time to get them into the ground if you do them this week that you is know, before the leaves come on yes See, that's, that's the season that so is the it time starts, it starts in November November and goes on on through until March or thereabouts so mm. you're, you're still in time as you get out with your sluice you get out with your spade and off you go and do it yep now is the time to get it done, folks. Uh, David Attenborough's new series on television actually last week uh, was all about trees and their importance in Britain and Ireland. And he was just talking about the amount of trees that have disappeared in these islands. You know, it's it's really shocking, isn't it, the, the loss of trees? 
Well, I mean, we've been cutting down trees and, uh, you know, for agricultural land ever since the Normans came practically. And there's been a huge clearance of, of trees. In fact, we were down to about 1% of Ireland covered in trees by about 1900. Now, it's gone back up to about 11% because we've been, you know, um, trying to restore our native woodlands, but even more so planting planting large amounts of coniferous woodland, which has been planted as as a crop for, for the timber industry. And that has all been very successful because these, these Sitka spruce trees will grow very well in Ireland. But the trouble about them is even though they grow and take in carbon out of the atmosphere twice as fast as native ones, they're not so good for biodiversity as our native trees are. So you need to have both kinds of forests here to have an admirable situation. Mm, Those type of forests, I know what you're talking about. They're pretty uh, you know, sparse places when it comes to habitats for wildlife etc. Whereas the mix of the Irish native trees in the woodland is just un believable and unparalleled, isn't it? Yes, I was just thinking of our Millennium Project way back in the year 2000 and what was done that time, they planted over a million trees, one for every household in Ireland and I was down in Kilkenny the other day we were doing a little bit of an event down there in the the Millennium Wood outside Kilkenny and they they added trees onto the woodland, the woodland was there already and they planted loads and loads of trees around that woodland, making it an even bigger woodland and as it was a native woodland to begin with, that had a great effect on biodiversity because the trees that were planted were beside other ones that were full of birds and bees and grubs and creepy crawlies and things like that so the biodiversity spread out so that was a really good way of planting trees alongside ones that are established there already making the woodlands bigger and I mean that's the ideal situation to to plant. Do you believe that councils are doing enough, you know, where, you know, you see, we see it in this neck of the woods in the northeast here, the building that's going on and with building, uh, ditches are pulled out, trees are cut down, etc. Is enough being done to replace what's been taken away? Well, of course not, because I mean the number the number of hedges and trees that have been taken out are being done not only for building, I have to say, but it's also been done to make to make farmers' fields bigger, and they 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 take them out, they grub them out, they burn them. In fact, in some parts of the country, not necessarily in Louth, and you know by by increasing the size of the fields for for crops and things, they're actually reducing the amount of hedgerow. So there's not enough being done to replace that. And there should be more. Certainly there's a, a new farm scheme called Acres, which replaces reps, where farmers are encouraged to to, um, to plant trees and hedgerows and things. But they can remove up to 500 metres of hedgerow without any permission for doing this. It's only if they want to take away more than that that they have to apply for permission. So, I mean, farmers are making their fields bigger, and that is certainly reducing the amount of wildlife corridors there are in rural areas. And then, of course, if you're building building buildings and roads and things like that in towns, obviously land is cleared for that as well. Mm. So there needs to be a positive approach to replacing things that are being removed elsewhere or wherever they can be put in. And farmers who plant trees on their land should be compensated for that rather than having, you know, to be maybe penalised for taking land out of food production. I mean, it needs to be treated in a much more positive way than it has been. Mm, well said, well said. Um, this comes up on my show from time to time when we're talking about nature etc and I may have mentioned it to you before ivy on trees where do you stand people say oh look at the ivy on the trees it's choking them to death it's shocking 
And that's a ridiculous thing to say. Ivy is a native plant. It doesn't choke any tree to death at all. Ivy grows up on things because it needs to grow up to the light in order to, to reproduce and have flowers and berries on it. And it's a huge area of biodiversity. If you take a tree with ivy and a tree with no ivy, the tree with no ivy stands there being a tree, a bare and baldy tree for 200 years and they eventually gets old and dies and falls down. Whereas the tree that has ivy on it might will have all kinds of creatures and creepy crawlies and things like that all living in the ivy. The berries will be good for birds, the flowers will be good for the bees, they make honey from it. And eventually then as the tree gets older, because trees get older, they're not so they're not so um, good at putting out the leaves anymore like the rest of us, they lose their hair on top and the <laughs> ivy then gets more light and will begin to grow more. And some big stormy night when there's a big wind, the tree with the ivy will have more resistance than the tree with no ivy. So if it's going to blow down, it'll blow down first. So it might only get as far as 180 years instead of 200. But look at all, so it dies a bit younger than the other one because it's old and fat. Things that are old and fat don't survive as long as things that are old and thin. But look at the biodiversity that that tree yes. with the ivy has done over the... So it's not... It's not been strangled by the ivy. This is like what happens in the rainforest where you have a strangler fig that sucks the juice out of the ivy, sucks the juice out of the tree. Ivy doesn't suck any juice out of anything. So ivy will grow in a gate, ivy will grow in an electric pole, it'll grow on anything. It gets, it gets no nourishment from the tree, it's only a prop, so it'll grow on a wall. So like to say that the ivy is killing the tree is not true. What it does, some people don't like the look of it, but you know anybody isn't beautiful and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a big source of biodiversity, it's a native plant and I'm, I'm all in favour of ivy I have to say. Well as a judge sitting in the court here today I dismiss completely the anti-ivy uh, brigade argument, it's uh, rested now forever may I say Aina. Come back so to you the... Might, you, might have a, you might have a lovely specimen tree that you're growing yes. yourself in your, and, and you want to have a, one tree I mean certainly don't let the ivy yeah. grow of that if you don't want but mm. I mean to be dead against ivy in woodlands and hedgerows and everywhere else that's not that can't be true no, that can't be happening yeah. I, I love it myself I have it on the walls and the birds nest and everything and it's just great and my wife often says why is that growing there and I said it's very important it's playing a very important part in terms of biodiversity I must replay this to her when I get home this evening yeah, now some, some if you have them on old walls yes. the ivy will take the moisture out yeah, of the water yeah. and if you're in a graveyard and you see sometimes people restoring old graveyards they take all the ivy off the building and the building collapses because the building was being held together with the ivy so mm. that's certainly not recommended if you're restoring old graveyards yes. so sometimes people are worried if the if the ivy is growing on their house that it might cause all the, the wall to collapse or something but you know we're not talking about ancient graveyards if you have a, a bit of ivy up your wall and a few robins in it it's a different story altogether to, to yeah. Hundred years of ivy someplace. <laughs> Does Ana Neilana have a favourite tree? No, it's not asking me if I have a favourite child. I mean, so I love one tree and I hate all the others. Of course I don't have a favourite tree. The right tree in the right place is what you want. In my garden here in Dublin, I have a spindle tree and a holly tree, and they're lovely. But I mean, if I owned acres like you probably do, I could have an oak tree or I could have a lovely arbutus or something. You know, it depends. It depends on what space you have and where you are. The right tree in the right place. So all the trees are my favourite trees. Mm, yeah, I wish I had all those acres. I have a portion of a half or a quarter of an eighth of an acre, but I love it and I uh, love everything that I have there and I do my best uh, to uh, promote the biodiversity too. Um, if you were to say to listeners today in National Tree Week, you know, let's talk about the urban listener who's a nice size back garden or things like that and it's treeless at the moment, what would you go for to plant? 
Well, like going to plant small trees, obviously, yeah. in your back garden, you yes. don't want a, a great big, huge tree. And I go for a tree that does something rather than a big lump of a thing sitting there like a statue. So I'd, I'd go for a deciduous tree that would get leaves, that would get flowers, that would get berries, that the colours, leaves would go coloured the autumn fall down, and you'd have it going again. So you could have small trees like, say, a hawthorn, like a spindle, like a, like a, a hazel, like holly. They're all lovely little small trees. If you had a little bit more space, you might like an elegant tree, like a lovely silver birch or a mountain ash. They, they, they're, they're lovely, elegant trees as well. Or then if you had huge amounts of space, you could go for something like your, your oak tree or your, your arbutus. It depends on the size. But there's lots of little small trees that are native and that are full of, of insect life that you could certainly have in your garden. So you should give a thought to a, to a hawthorn. You can keep that as a tree. You don't have to start a hedge. It can be just a tree on its own. Or spindle, which is a lovely tree and people don't often think about. It has lovely flowers, or even something like a like a white beam that has gorgeous pale leaves at this time of the year and flowers and berries. I used to have one in my front garden for ages, and it was it was absolutely wonderful. I eventually had to take it out because it was out of the front garden or the house, so something <laughs> had to go. But I got I got thirty years out of it. It was great. It was a wonderful tree. So these are all lovely native trees that you can grow in your garden. And you should have you should have at least one tree in your garden. Mm, I'm delighted to say in my front garden I have a silver birch and I have three mountain ash which are lovely and I love them as, as you say they do a lot through the seasons they do you're not looking at the same no. tree like an evergreen is always no. the same you're, you're, it's getting leaves and berries and changing colour and, and doing things which is great well you know what you're great and I want to say I love your column in the Irish Times every Saturday I read it and I make for it when I get the paper every week I love it and uh, you're fantastic and all you highlight there and all the great answers you give keep it up it's wonderful to see you every oh, day some queries or your readers might want to send you yes. some queries of things they notice yes. because with mobile phones people can take pictures of all sorts of things True. and I mean if you don't know something then it's not a stupid question because if you don't know something chances are lots of other people don't know it either so yes. I mean, don't think oh I don't know that I couldn't ask because there's lots of things you know, it doesn't have to be something obscure I mean even something ordinary that you don't know because if you were ever told something how can you know it so if you want to send in questions via the website on the Irish Times it's you know it's, it's on the the paper there and I'd be delighted to answer questions from people in County Loud they don't get huge amounts of them at the moment OK well come on Loud and me let's have you and let's get those questions into Aina and take the little snaps and put them in and she'd be delighted to answer them for you you're great uh, you're so good to us and I wish you well on National Tree Week that's great thank you so much great talking to you now you indeed. too you too Aina take care now that's our own Aina Nilauna from County Loud wonderful woman marvellous environmentalist and of course president of the Tree Council of Ireland plant a tree go on do it do it this week get one this weekend stick it in your garden get a tree in there it'll bring you years and years of joy and happiness you heard Aina mention there that every household got a tree in the millennium year that was in the year 2000 I remember getting the cert and where my tree was, I think somewhere in Monaghan, but God knows where it is at this stage, Louise. Did you, do you remember getting a, a cert in 2000? No, do you? For a tree. No. Every, house, every household in Ireland got one. Anybody out there got that cert for your tree? Anybody, and, anybody go visit it? Well, there you go. That's another question. But anyone got the cert for the tree? If you have, you might take a picture of it and WhatsApp it into us. 086-1800-658. Or even let us know. Let us know that you have that cert for the tree. You own a tree. All households do. If you had a household in 2000, you should have that. What kind of tree was it? 
Having a clue. Was the ivy on it now? <laughs> and welcome, <laughs> and welcome to have ivy on it, as as Ana said. Anyway, let me remind everybody that all this week on late lunch, we want to hear your knock knock jokes. Send them in to us because when you do, you have a chance of winning a fabulous prize. It's a two thousand euro composite door voucher and it's been given to us by Senator Windows because they're opening their new showrooms in the Beachmount Business Park in Navin this Saturday and we'll be there too at our outside broadcast unit. When you enter the competition there are also four runner-up prizes of Karcher window cleaners and today go over to our Facebook page there's a competition there on LMFM's Facebook page today you could win a shark style IQ Ionic hairdryer today, this very day on Facebook as well. So come on, let's have your knock-knock jokes to us on late lunch this afternoon, 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Well, Louise, I'll put you on the spot. Have you one? I have one. Yeah. One, you started okay, off. Well, apologies if, because I wasn't here yesterday, well, so loads apologies yesterday. if yeah, this go on. came up yesterday. Go on. Okay, knock-knock. Who's there? An interrupting cow. An interrupting No! <laughs> That's my favourite. I'm going to call you something on the air that I'll probably be sacked if I said it. It sounds like witch. But you're not. That is a good one. You're not. Can I do one? Can I do mine and you? Mine is not not as good as yours. Anyway, knock, knock. Who's there? Radio. Radio who? Radio not. Here I come. That's not as good as there yours. There you go. That's ah, not as good as yours. More. It's gone. Okay. Knock, knock. Who's there? Candace. Candace who? Candace joke get any worse? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no, it You're too good for me. You really are too good for me. That's for sure. Come on, keep them coming to us. They're flying in as I speak. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. If you sent them yesterday, should come on, bang them into us again today and we're going to pick somebody to go through to that draw on Friday here on Late Lunch when somebody will win that brand new front door from Senator Winners worth €2,000. It's a great, great prize. I was You were asking me to show me your socks <laughs> or my socks to you, right? Yeah. Yeah. Aren't they nice? They're lovely. Aren't they colourful today? You look today? like Mr Tumble. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Actually, I they're do. They're body socks. Oh, Mr Tumble. Look at that one. <laughs> and they're matching. Do you know they're matching? Yes, they're matching. And you have matching socks today. I do. I Great. do. We shouldn't really. We should be wearing odd socks for the day that's in it. Yes, because today is... World Down Syndrome it Day. Is. And people wear, are wearing odd, odd socks today for... Mm-hmm. I should have worn them as right. I hate, I wouldn't wear odd socks. Would you? Well, apart from today, would you never, ever wear them? No, I don't. Li- I'd like to have the matching. Would you? Yeah. I yeah. always liked to have the You're, socks matching. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you would. I'd say you would go mad if you, you know me. threw on your socks and were da- out somewhere <laughs> and noticed they were oh, no. different. I'd say it would annoy you the whole day, would it? It would. It's really me. Annoying. It's just me. It's OCD me. It is yeah. me. It is. It wouldn't bother you. Not a bit of it. Wouldn't even bother me if I had different shoes on. <laughs> no, it wouldn't bother me at all. But you, no. No. Would you wear socks? You know, when a hole comes, a hole inevitably develops in a sock. You know, which especially mm. with your big toe, that you create. When I see that, when I see that gone, socks bin. Oh yeah. Gone. Oh, but I can't even, if I put them and my toe was peeking through a hole, I, I couldn't wear them. No, know, it's You couldn't hard. wear it. It's hard to wear but it. I see my you. kids and I'm going, will you take off that sock and put it in the bin? <laughs> I have to say, though, in our house, I know there are, there's a little container with a load of odd socks in. Mm. So that the other... They might find their way has back. Has gone missing. <laughs> 
well, are they ever going to find their way back? I'm sure every house has loads of odd socks. Would you yeah. say? Yes. Yeah, you'd be like that too. Mm-hmm. So what do you do when you have the odd sock? Just wear them. With what? With another odd sock. And oh, I see what you're saying. Oh, I see what you're saying. So when you have an odd sock box, the best thing to do is to wear odd socks. Yeah. Just wear one of each. Exactly. Ah, the penny's only dropping with me. You'd now. have to, surely you'd wear them inside wellies out garden. Well, I have I have heavier socks for the wellies. <laughs> and are they all matching too? And they match. And if one gets a hole in it, the other gets thrown out? Dumped. Or into the bin? Literally, or into your odd bin? Into the bin. No, dumped. I dump them. I don't actually keep it. You know, I'm, but there is, a, there is a bucket in our house with the odd socks in them. That is for sure. But uh, I like to have the matching socks. I'd say most people would wear odd socks. Hmm? I, I would say most people, it, doesn't, it wouldn't bother them wearing odd socks. Would you think so? And I reckon... Next few years, you'll be going around done stores of pennies and you will actually be able to buy odd socks as a pair. <laughs> I, I bet you will. I, 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 pair I, of odd socks. I but see, they'll, be the, they'll be the fashion. I see the tills ringing here in my head for you. I, I think you're onto something. I think you have just come up with a very good business idea. You need to ring local enterprise office now and get cracking on this and get it going. Odd socks, do you wear them? I don't know. I'd say people like to match their socks up. There's nothing worse than... who. Lord Henry wore odd socks, wasn't he? Lord Henry Merchant. I'll say hello to him this afternoon. He, he was a man who made news about it. Yeah, but if you wear socks, you know, you're wearing jeans or something. Like, who, 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 who's going to see them? You're showing your socks, like. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, who's going to see them? Bar your jeans are a little bit short and you've stretched and you've got taller or they've been washed and they've shrunk. You know, you could be in trouble then. You've but shrunk with the jeans are shrunk. <laughs> the jeans. <laughs> we'll tell you that story one day as well. What, about the shrinking, shrunk? The shrinking, the shrinking jeans. Oh eight six eighteen hundred six five eight. WhatsApp or text, knock, knock or anything else that's on your mind. Get in touch with us on late lunch this afternoon. Heading towards top of the hour and afterwards we're going to hear all about the late great Karen Carpenter. But heading to two on late lunch... It's Westlife and my love of matching socks. An empty street, an empty house, a hole inside my heart. I'm all alone, the rooms are getting smaller. Karen Carpenter. Remember her? Remember the Carpenters, the wonderful music? Well, we're going to talk about her for the next while because, you see, Dr Lucy O'Brien, she's a writer, academic and author. She's also a TV and radio broadcaster and she's written about the history of women in popular music and she's penned books about Madonna and Dusty Springfield. But her new one focuses on the life and times of Karen Carpenter. Hello, Lucy. Hello. Hi. Thank you for joining me on the show. Well, we've got to tell listeners first how you and I are together today and talking because it's all because of a wonderful lady called Grania Lynn. <laughs> yes, Grania, my lovely friend Grania, who um, uh, I met, we met as pen pals. We were pen pals um, for a few years and then she came to stay with me. Um, this is in the 1970s came to stay with me one summer and then I went to stay with her and we've just kept in touch and um, uh, she came um, over to my launch party for my book uh, just the other week so it's so lovely and she brought some really (laughs) some really excellent photos of Mm. um, us standing outside 10 Downing Street do you remember you could actually there was a time when you could actually stand outside (laughs) 
isn't that marvellous? So you go yeah, back a long yeah. way. It all began as pen pals. And I actually have her copy of the book, of your book, Lead Sister, the story of Karen Carpenter in my hand here that she loaned to me. Well, may I say to you, congratulations on the book, because when we think of uh, Karen Carpenter, the words tragedy, victim, sadness come to mind. But you... Yeah. Uh, portray her in this book in a wonderful holy new light well thank you yes and uh, I felt you know the more I thought about her story because I've I've, I focus on um, uh, forgotten stories and uh, my history she bought my history of women in rock was like um, bringing out those invisible women who've been forgotten about or misrepresented and um, with Karen Carpenter, I thought, here's this woman. She was at the top of her game through the 1970s um, American music industry. And that didn't happen by being a shrinking violet. And um, uh, she was not only was she an amazing singer, but she was a fantastic drummer as well. Um, and so with this book, I set out to really reframe her history and rediscover her. And also, and I was so surprised to find that she was actually quite a tough cookie and very driven and very much um, a, a, a kind of energetic force within the Carpenters. She's kind of been represented as um, uh, her brother Richard was the genius, whereas she was driving the band as, just as much as he was. And, you know, when you mentioned those times, it was a huge challenge for women in the industry because... Uh, you even write it in the introduction to this book. Really, women were looked as as upon as commodities. Well, I think, and this this is um, the real problem for Karen in that she absolutely loved playing the drums. And at the age of fifteen, she had her own drum kit, and she was playing in the school marching band, and she was practicing for hours on end, and she had pictures of jazz drummers on her walls. So she was really proud of her skills and what and. and she played on, on all those early albums. She um, played drums when they toured and she sang at the same time. And she was very comfortable with that. But um, then there was a lot of pressure from the management, the record company, mm. her brother, to kind of leave the drums behind and just stand up front and sing. Yes. And that really cost her her peace of mind. Yeah, it, it did indeed. And, and it's important to think about that at the time because it wasn't a thing for women. You know what I mean? And, and they had their place. That's what I mean. And, you know, they, mm. they did, it was male-dominated. You've got to say that. And women who came to the mm. fore were strong women. But yet be, behind it all, when, when you read what you have to say, she was a very humble person too, wasn't she? Down to earth. <laughs> Yes, she was. She was. She had a wonderful sense of humour, quite kind of um, irreverent and um, mm. uh, um, and also very caring and compassionate with with her friends. Um, and I love her story. So that she really was um, looking for love and wanted to be loved, and really suffered from her mother's favouritism of her brother Richard and kind of focusing on Richard at her expense. Mm. And that's kind of one of the, the the main themes that kind of goes through her story and her life, was her 
struggling with that. Yes, it, it couldn't have been easy. Now, at the time, you know it and uh, you talk about it. You were a young woman growing up in the 70s and 80s. And of course, you, you love them. Um, but th- there was a real pressure on young women then to be slim. Not that, look, today we, we, have, we have similar. But back then, you know, that slimming culture, it was huge mm. in the 70s and 80s. And, and this, this sort of, in a way, lay beneath what, what happened. Would you say that's fair to, to Karen? Oh, yes, absolutely. And I found it really shocking um, when I looked into it that her mother actually took her to the doctor when Karen was 17 and put her on a diet. (laughs) I mean, uh, my goodness, you know, I have a teenage daughter and that's kind of the last thing you would think about doing um, if you're wanting to protect their happiness and their mental health. Um, And there's so much more that we know now about eating disorders, so much more awareness we have. Um, Whereas then, um, people just thought it was slimming gone too far. Mm. And, you know, Karen's family were just like, come on, you know, just eat, just eat. Um, And they didn't involve themselves in her um, uh, therapy or helping her get better. She battled a lot of on her own, Mm. which is why it became so chronic um, and why when in the end she did have some therapy, it was was too late. When you think about it, she was only 32 in 1983 when she passed away and that woman had so much more to offer and give. Which brings me to a a thought that came to me as, as I read what you wrote. If you take what we know today and it being a different world and given the fact that, look, svelte and slim is, is, is still predominates, but with our approach today to anorexia, weight loss, etc., do you think she would have been better positioned to survive? I absolutely, you know, and um, friends and former lovers that I spoke to said the same thing. You know, now there's, there's so much more help, there's so much more awareness, there's proper intervention. Um, there's a strong chance that she would have survived it um, and found a way to to kind of live with it and, and, and take care of herself and have her family take care of her as well. Um, but back then, there was no language for it. There, there really was. I mean, lots of people didn't hadn't even heard of the words anorexia. They didn't know um, what it meant um, and um, and how that played out. Um, over someone's life Um, and that it could affect young men, well, men as well as women too. You obviously have put an amount of time into researching, listening back to interviews she gave, talking, as you said, to her friends and people who knew her. Um, You know, when you look, there's been a couple of, you know, uh, TV documentaries about her since. There's been other things written as Mm. well. Do you feel you've really got to the nub of who she was, what she was with this book? I, I really feel I do. And it was such a challenge. You know, I'm not going to lie because they're, 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 you, you're kind of fighting this um, uh, very tragic um, uh, picture uh, of, um, and it is tragic. But at the same time, behind that is, was, I found a woman who was incredibly resilient, very driven, um, very focused and um, and funny and inventive and kind of lots of qualities that had sort of been overlooked um, in in her story. And I think, you know, it's 40 years now since her death. So I think enough time has gone past that we can actually start to think about 
what she achieved despite um, what she was struggling with. And also her story is relevant now. Um, you know, quite a few people have asked me, how do you think this plays out in the music industry today? Mm. And, and I think in a way her death um, opened, opened up the, the conversation around um, female performers and and mental health and also um, uh, anorexia. So that now you have artists like Taylor Swift and Kesha speaking out, Lady Gaga, you know, they've all spoken out about um, the, the toxic effect of this kind of having to be um, size zero or, or, you know, unrealistic expectations placed on, on, on women, particularly singers, mm. um, in the public eye. Or when you contemplate what you've written she was such a pioneer a heroine and as you say many stars today uh, refer to her and talk about her as well what she went through mm. and what she had to survive at the time and like when when you think about the carpenters I suppose some of our listeners today don't understand you do that in the 70s especially and into the 80s these were mega and she was yes oh no absolutely huge I mean they they, they were million million sellers globally and um you know i remember right from when i was little i think the age of 10 or something singing on top of the world in in the, the school choir the primary school choir and <laughs> and then you know she was the soundtrack uh the carpenters were the soundtrack to my kind of growing up and my early teenage years so um i i they they, they symbolized america you know they symbolized this amazing um, land where uh, the sun was always shining and the cars were really enormous. Mm. And then you became a punk. And then I became a punk, <laughs> yes. But you see, the interesting thing about that is, you know, the, the two are not mutually exclusive um, because um, there was, in the 90s, after her death, there was this whole re-evaluation then and mm. um, uh, there was a um, band, the band, punk band Sonic Youth, um, uh, sang um, a song for you, Tunic song for you, um, which was dedicated to Carol yes. Carpenter. Um, it's an amazing song, actually. Mm. And there was a whole tribute album from all these different um, kind of grunge alternative yeah. um, acts paying tribute. So um, people people have seen um, that. I think people can see the dark side of the story as well. Yes, yes. But look, at I'm only... Uh, it, I, I was amused when I saw you became a member of Catholic Girls. What a name it is for a punk band as well. But you know what? Yeah. You never forgot her. She was always with you. I know this. And she was exactly. always with you. And of course, uh, as you move along in life and with your taste and that, they change, of course. But I know the, yeah. the sadness and shock you felt in 83 when she did actually uh, pass away. And you know the funny thing? She's remained with you always you know and this book is yes. testament that she has and has always been on your mind I have to say I, I, I think it's brilliant I really do I, I oh, love the book I love it I love thank it and you. I recommend it highly it's by Lucy O'Brien it's called Lead Sister the story of Car Karen Carpenter it's published by Bonnier Books and it's available all over the place at the minute and well well worth the read you'll enjoy it if you're a Carpenter's fan for sure Karen Carpenter fan if you're not there's lots in this book really to ponder there really is it's wonderful listen it's been great catching up with you today and we just got to finish now in a second of course with the woman herself because we want to remind listeners what she was all about congratulations Lucy on the book and thank you so much for joining me today thank you it's been wonderful talking to you thank you you too thank you here she is Karen Carpenter why do stars fall down from the sky 
Question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. To create a dream come true So they sprinkle moon dust in your hair A golden starlight in your eyes of blue That is why
It's time for our Two on Tuesday. Two on Tuesday. Playing the songs that just never quite made it to number one. But we were so close. I'm supposed to be number one. We were so close. Two on Tuesday. Yes, our two on Tuesday. This Tuesday went to number two on the 16th of May, 1982. It was written by Vince Clark and sung by the wonderful Alison Moyet. All I needed was to love you, gay. All I needed for another day. And all I ever knew. Yes, your two on Tuesday. Yazoo. And Only You, their first single from their debut album, Upstairs at Eric's, which is upstairs in my attic, I am proud to say. And more recently, Boots used it in their 2017 Christmas ad. And McDonald's in 2022, Christmas Gone By, that song featured as well. And of course, the following year after its release, it was released, of course, in uh, 1982 by Yazoo. The following year, The Flying Pickets an a cappella version, it did go to number one for Christmas time in the UK. So, what kept Yazoo off the top spot? Do you remember this one? A little loving, a little giving To build a dream for the world we live in A little patience and understanding For our tomorrow, a little peace Oh... Does it bring back memories? Does it indeed? That was the number one from Nicole Siebert. It was Germany's Eurovision winner, the first time Germany ever won the contest in 1982. Number one, keeping you zoo, only you, off the top spot. Well, what does the uh, Walsh jury say today? I'm just a child again. That transported me way back. Did it? I remember learning all the words off by heart. Of that that song. song. Yeah, and my cousin, God rest him, got her album. And all the songs on it I just loved. That's it. Really? Small Child. Nicole's album. There you go. But it doesn't age well, does it? It's... We were swaying. We were swaying. We we were swaying from side to side in the studio Mm. here. We were swaying, that's for sure. So that says it still has a resonance and a ring. But I actually think... Yeah, I think Yazoo, only you, just holds its own, doesn't it, today? Uh, Yeah, and Anytime, as you say. Yeah, it is. It is. And I like that. I like the original and the best of Only You. So there you have. But a nice, a nice number one, I have to say today. Very pleasant indeed. The time Germany won the Eurovision for the first time. That's a two on Tuesday for this Tuesday afternoon. Up next on the show, well, Chrissy Russell loves her four-legged friends. But when it comes to the owners, well, that's a different story. Stay with us on Late Lunch. Oh, Chrissy Russell, I could feel your pain reading what you had to say today in the end. Oh, thanks for joining me on the show. You're very welcome. Oh, I'd say a lot of people can relate, all right. <laughs> oh, my God. Tell them your eight-year-old stood in you-know-what. He did, he did. We'd been for a lovely beach walk and we were on our way back to the car. Everything had been fine. Nobody had fallen in the tide. It was great. And then lo and behold, just a mere metres from the car, stepped in a big pile of poo. So no, stop. But no, then had to be wiped, had to be contained, put in the car, home hosed. I thought, oh, why? Why must every walk be blighted by this every time? Mm, I can empathise with you because I'll tell you a little story a few years back I did a charity 5k every day for the season of Lent and I walked 5k around Drogheda Town and I I don't think I told listeners this 
One day I did a tally because you have to keep your eyes down to the ground, right, Chrissy? 5K mm-hmm. in town, 79 dog poos on that 5K walk one day. Different ones. Oh, my goodness. You see, part of me is shocked and then another part of me is not shocked at all because it's absolutely the same in our village and where we lived before and before that. And it is everywhere. And the thing is, I think we just accept it now. And we shouldn't. Do you know what I mean? It's not fair. If you get a dog, you should clean up after it. Yeah, and that's what you say. The explosion, as you call them, of pet parents, uh, you know, and all that entails. Look, owning a dog is an onerous thing to own a dog. And our vet, Sinead Kelly, who's our regular, always says this to listeners. But look, you've got to pick up their doo-doos, haven't you? You have to. And I'm sure I'm going to incur the wrath of a few people. But I think the whole problem started whenever we started calling them pet parents and fur babies. And, you know, it's all about buying the nice wee coats and putting the pictures on Instagram. And do you know what I mean? They went to people that obviously don't want to do the actual work that's involved in, in being a good parent and cleaning up after your offspring. Yeah. And, you know, we we come back to this time and again on this radio show and say it to people. And I, I guarantee you today, if you throw it out you'll get from all over the northeast and beyond people will be telling you the problem is extensive and it's everywhere as well but it is so wrong because on a serious note which you talk about today this can actually lead to blindness dangerous. I mean, particularly with children. Yes. Now, I think it depends on certain bacteria, but yes, you can get blindness. Certainly you can get sickness. Um, and it, it's just, it's the fact, do you know what it is? It's the fact it's unnecessary. And I couldn't believe that other figure that I, I stumbled upon when working on it, where there are only 60 dog wardens for something like 200,000 licensed mm. dogs in the country. Mm. And that's just the licensed ones. I mean, that's not the unlicensed yes. ones. I thought, well, sure, who's there to enforce the rules? Do you know what I mean? Why, why don't you see dog catchers anymore or people actually out making sure that this doesn't happen. I hear your four-legged friend in the background there concurring with what you had to say to me a moment ago uh, because you are obviously a a responsible and a conscious dog owner. What's the answer, Chrissy? What do you think having researched this and looked at it and what needs doing? And I thought this during lockdown because I don't want to. I don't want to uh, <laughs> out my neighbours, but there are you know there's people nearby who got dogs and they are, the dogs are huge and the wee back garden is not fit for them. And I do think there needs to be more strict regulations around who gets to own a dog and who gets to own what type of dog in what setting because it's not fair at the end of the day to the dog if you've got one of these big dogs that's obviously looking to have a good run around and they're in a tiny little plot so I think first of all there needs to be greater kind of regulations around exactly how easy it is to get a dog and what kind of dog that you get because again I think the not cleaning up is the kind of the thin end of the wedge because I do think the irresponsibility then can get worse and worse and then you've also got these horrible rise in dog attacks that you hear about as well which I think is just terrifying but I do think it comes down again to people just not being cut out for owning a pet that they shouldn't be allowed to have one. Yes, it's the it's the owners for sure uh, is where the responsibility lies and the issues are. The other thing is we're, we're a great country for enacting laws, but actually enforcing them and implementing them is another matter indeed. And when it comes to uh, dog fouling uh, in public places, it, it's shocking. There's an on-the-spot fine, as you said, of 150. It can go up to 4,000 if it goes to court. But it's rare, isn't it? Anybody's taken to court or even fined under the legislation. 
Oh, incredibly rare. I mean, whenever you look, as I say, down these figures, the amount of kind of councils that haven't handed out any fines in the past five years, or the ones that have only handed out, you know, an absolute handful. I think, I think, um, oh, South Dublin was only like five or eight or so. It, I mean, it was a minuscule number. And when you think of the extent of the problem, you do have to wonder why is it not being enforced? You know, why, why is the law there if it's not actually going to be acted on? Imagine there's dogs in Leitrim and Monaghan and Kilkenny that are so obedient they've never done a poo in a public place because there hasn't been a fine issue there in the last five years. Come on! Five years? I know they need to be coming and teaching all the other dogs across the country to do exactly what they're doing. But it's not ridiculous, do you? I mean, there's Mm. no way in the world that there's no dog filing going on in those counties. It's ridiculous. Uh, But I do think it's just complacency. It's now accepted as something we all just have to put up with. And it really shouldn't be. (laughs) My my gears have been well and truly growing from the weekend experience. It's just it's disgusting. Mm. You know, the smell of it, everything. It is just, it is foul. And it's one of the reasons, like, growing up, we were dying to have a dog. But mommy was always like, no, it's a big responsibility. If you're not going to be responsible, no, you're not having one. And so we ended up with cats. Yeah. And uh, that was the end of that. But yeah. I do think, you know, there needs to be sort of someone somewhere saying, no, you're not responsible enough to have a dog. You can't have one. Mm, it's uh, it really is something that comes to mind when you find yourself that somebody stands in our child. I often think as well of it, you know, children going to school and they step into that, and then they go into the school and the class. In the name of God, it's just horrendous. It really is. It's shocking. And oh, it is. It is from our house up to my son's house. I mean, it, it's literally a, a minute's walk, and I would say we dodged about three or four piles on route this morning. Mm. I just think, ah, oh, come on, that's just. It's just so unnecessary. It really, really is. And I join with you today and uh, catch uh, Chrissy's column in today's Independent, Irish Independent. It uh, is really thought-provoking and I wanted to just highlight it to uh, add on to your call that this be looked at seriously. And again, to make an appeal to dog owners, please bring the little bag, pick it up, don't leave it on the pavement. The implications are shocking. Let's become more responsible, but in a wider sense, there certainly is another look needed at this. Chrissy, thank you so much. Very welcome. Thanks for having me on. Not at all. You're welcome. Bye-bye. That's Chrissy Russell there, journalist with the Irish Independent, raising a topic that's an old chestnut with us here on Late Lunch. Louise, do you see that that's after coming in? I know there's more, but I'm just able to read one with me winkers. Um... The Duffy family have sent us in a copy of their cert for the tree. The copy, I remember getting this. I do. God knows where it is. The People's Millennium Forest is the title on it. And it says, to celebrate the new millennium, a native Irish tree has been planted for the Duffy family at Derrygorry, County Monaghan. And it gives a tree number as well, Louise. Uh, And it's signed by Seamus Brennan the late Seamus Brennan the minister mm. at the time I remember Seamus um, but that cert I remember that cert Louise but God knows where it is and I think our tree at home was in Derry Gorry Derry yeah. Gorry I think well, we got another uh, message somebody else kind enough I just can't there's a glare on it I think it says the McGee family yes and their tree is at Derry Gorry County Monaghan Oh, as so well. It must nice be a, little, little yeah, plaque. There must be a huge forest there in Derry. God, there has to be. Anyway, our tree is there. So you have a tree number. I want 2000. What are we? 23 years ago. 
God, it's a big tree at this stage mm. or else it's cut down it, and it gone. Mu- it must be for the region because uh, Lena just texted in as well, well and said she's a search for the tree planted in Derry Gorry in Marlin. Yeah, we must have all must got be. the Derry Gorry trees. I wonder yeah. is the Derry Gorry forest still there or have they long gone and been cut down and they're maybe in somebody's front room and we'll on the floor or in some furniture or something. We'll have to check that <laughs> one out further. They couldn't do it. You couldn't knock a tree without your permission if you own it. If you're gifted it, surely. No? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, Louise. I think it was a it was a nice thing in the millennium, but 23 years later, who the hell knows? Can you go down and cut down your tree and bring it home with you and burn it, it or something <laughs> like that? Uh, use it for firewood? I, I don't think so. But uh, anyway, it was a nice gesture by the government at the time. Uh, somebody says, my husband has a hole in his sock. He puts one of the pair in the bin. It drives me mad. So Why? He keeps the odd sock. He only puts the one with the hole in the bin. Yeah, dead right. Mm. He'll always get you set of the other one. Drives his wife or partner or somebody there absolutely mad. Somebody else saying, am I hearing you right? Did you say every house got a cert for a tree? Tell us more. Yes, every house in the millennium year got a cert for a tree. That is a fact. Um, what else have I to say there? There's loads of your knock-knocks. Actually, I'll tell you what we'll do, Louise. Let's take a wee break and we'll come back and run through more of these knock-knocks. Louise has an update for us from Derry Gorry Forest. Let's have it. What's the story? I, I know, I just Googled it and yeah. I just found that it's it's north of Monaghan Town and there was 40,000 native Irish chiefs trees, not cheese, <laughs> trees were planted um, in the woodland, including oak, ash, alder, birch and Scots pine. Oh, they are. So they're native mm. Irish, That's which is good. I, I hope that they're still there as well. So there you are. A lot of trees there for a, a lot of families, I'm sure, from this area. We seem to all have our little interest in Derry Gorry. Um, we'll uh, just uh, do a little bit, bit more on that and find out a bit more about the forest for you. Um Let's come back to the knock knocks and, and do a few of them. Go on, go on. I have a special request for you. Me? Yeah, yeah. Go on, go on, repeat it. Go on, repeat it. Go on, repeat it, please. Go on. <laughs> My favourite one. Go on, yeah, repeat it. Go on, go on. <laughs> knock knock. Who's there? <clears throat> An interrupting cow. An interrupting Moo. cow. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted you to do that again. I loved it so much. I loved it so much. Anyway, here we go with listeners. Knock knock. Who's there? Boo. Boo-hoo. No need to cry. It's only a joke. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That's from Barbara Smith. I really do, Barbara. I love that knock-knock one there. Okay, here I go again. No, you do it to me. Go on. Knock-knock. Who's there? Candice. Candice who? Candice door opener. Am I stuck out here? (laughs) (laughs) Who's that from? That's from Babs in RD. Okay, I'll do one. Um, You good ones. Knock-knock. Who's there? Dishes. Dishes who? Dishes me without me teeth in. <laughs> <laughs> Caroline Burke. I like oh, that Caroline. Caroline, I love that one, so yeah. I do. Go on, have you another one there? I'll 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 do the one. Um knock knock. Who's there? Banana. Banana who? Knock knock. Who's there? Banana. Banana who? Knock knock. Who's there? Orange. Aren't you? Aren't you glad I didn't say banana? (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. Can I do this one? Mm -hmm. Knock, knock. Who's there? Ice cream. (laughs) Ice cream who? Ice cream if you don't let me in. (laughs) (laughs) That's from Pauline in this afternoon. Oh, I I hear... Go on, have you another there? Do you want me to do one? What do you want? Uh, Okay, knock, knock. Who's there? 
It must be me and cows today. Cows go. Cows go who? No, sleek. Cows go moo. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that one from? Babs again. Babs she's a, on a roll. Oh, she's on a roll. Here's, an, here's another one. Knock, knock. Who's there? Nana. Nana who? Nana your business. <laughs> Kathleen Black. Well you may stay done. at the door, so. <laughs> Kathleen. And I think, I think, can I nominate this one as the winner today, the yeah. next one? Do you mind if I do? Thank yep. you to everybody. They're fantastic. And you're all in the mix. We're keeping you all in the mix. Okay, this is the winner today. Knock, knock. Who's there? Dishes. Dishes who? Dishes the police. Open the door. (laughs) (laughs) Who's that from? Stephen Collier, you're the winner today. Stephen, well done to you. You've won a character. Uh, window washer already that's yours but you may win the front door the new front door from Senator Windows opening their new showrooms in Navin this Saturday we'll be there with the outside broadcast unit the big prize on late lunch this week is the composite front door worth 2,000 euro knock knock jokes we're looking for keep them coming we'll roll them right through the shows during the week five qualifiers and then one from the five will win the door on Friday on late lunch what do you make of the boss getting married again Louise? You heard the story, did you? The boss is getting married yes. again. What age is he? Nine. It's not Michael. No, it's not Michael. It's not Eamon. The boss, the the, the big big <laughs> boss, is getting married again. Big boss. The big boss, Rupert Murdoch. Did you see the news? Yes. Media tycoon Rupert Murdoch has announced his engagement to his partner Anne Leslie Smith, a former police chaplain. Mister Murdoch. Mr. Murdoch, 92. as I tip my cat, is nine, cap, <laughs> cannot even my cat, my cap, is 92. Miss Smith is 66. They met in September at an event at his vineyard in California. There you go. A police chaplain. She probably turned the water into wine, did she, at the <laughs> ceremony? That's anyway, his fifth, fifth marriage, did you say? Uh, that's his fifth marriage. Fifth he split marriage. from fourth wife, Jerry Hall, last year. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he's been married to uh, flight attendant Patricia Booker, Scottish-born journalist Anna Mann and Chinese-born entrepreneur Wendy Deng. Then it was uh, Jerry Hall and now this new lady at 92 years of age. Mm. When, uh, is, it, is it ever too late to get married, do you think? Is it <laughs> I'm ever sure there's a knock-knock joke there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> knock, I knock. don't think so. Uh, well, each to their own. 92. Getting married... Like, well, maybe, you know, he's a real romantic at heart. Whatever age. Mm. I don't think so. It wouldn't be... It's not my... Well, no, no. 92. Is it ever... To, but, right, let's talk about this. What, what age do you think it's too old to get married at? Do you think there's an age limit when you should really say, ah, go on, it's gone? Um, no, as long as, you know, you're... You've, you're well able to think for yourself and move for yourself and everything like that. I, I don't think There should there be no age limit. No. Doesn't matter. Well, like there's two of them in it. You're mm. not forcing anybody to marry, are you? Oh, not at all. Not at all. But it just happens that he's one of the richest men in you the know. world. <laughs> <laughs> money, money, money. No, it's love. It's love. Sorry. It's no, don't, don't, be, don't be even thinking along those lines. It's all, what's love got to do with it? I think Gina I'll marry seems. somebody from Dulik then. Oh, well, that is the place to be looking for somebody, is right. Mm. And we're going to be talking it after, about it after three and late lunch. Another mega lotto win in Dulik, isn't it? Just something else. <laughs> that village, what has it? That it, it There's something about it. There's something in the water in Dulik. Another €3,987,540 for change <laughs> is the jackpot that has been won in Dulik in the lottery. Follow, following on from... 
8.9 million won last October following on from wasn't the Euro million yeah. sold in that neck of the mm-hmm. woods a few years ago mega stuff I don't know what it is but they seem to have the knack out there anyway Murdoch doesn't worry about lotters or anything he has as much and more than multiple 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 lottos so there you are oh, uh, we wish him well we wish him well he's getting married I wonder would anyone in LMFM get an invite to the to the wedding <laughs> Rupert Rupert are you Will you send us out an old invite? <laughs> we'll even go to the office. We'd love to go along. We'd love to go along. We'd love to be there. We'd love to we be part of the We do rock the ceremony. boat for you. Oh, listen. We'd do anything <laughs> you fucking want. <laughs> I, w- I wonder what the menu would be at the wedding. Ah, well. We... Just go to take pictures of it for the Instagram. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. Me St. Louise and go, you'll have one of the best weddings. It'll be the best wedding of the whole lot of them, I guarantee you. We'll eat and drink for Ireland. We'll just do anything you want, Mr. Murdoch, Sir <laughs> Rupert. We'll be there. Send us out an early invite to LMFM, will you, for the wedding? Come on, Rupert, old buddy, old chum, old pal. Don't forget your 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 workers, your workers who serve you loyally and work their ass off for you every day. Very surely, sing the yeah. entrance. Hymn. We'll represent Ireland. Me, we'll represent the <laughs> Irish group of stations, Rupert. Come on, send us the invite. Don't think anybody. We'll tell you what it's really like to be on the ground. <laughs> we'll tell you what it's like to be one of your minions serving you every day of the week come on Rupert bring us along we want to go late lunch LMFM radio we're back after news sport and weather at three well we have a song oh, okay, but sorry I <laughs> I'm getting carried away I'm in California at the wedding already he's dreaming of getting the hat already <laughs> she's like the wind yes we'll dedicate this to the new bride Miss Smith for Mr Murdoch who are getting married a little later this year I'll be watching the post box every day she's like the wind through my tree Killian Grendon O'Brien wanted to do a knock, jo- knock joke with us. He's just six today, so it was sent in to us to read out. So Killian says, knock, knock. Who's there? Who? Who, who? What are you an owl? <laughs> Thank you, Killian. Oh, our youngest knock, knock joker today. And happy birthday to you on this special day. Hi, says uh, Margaret Boylan. Hello, Margaret. Uh, could you please say hello to everyone who is celebrating World Down Syndrome Day today? To all the families, volunteers, the Loud Mead Centre and, of course, the children. Enjoy your day. And I say... I concur with those sentiments entirely. Margaret, have a great, great day. And it is a very special day for everybody. Enjoy it. Just reminding you that St. Bridget's Drama Group, they're a wonderful group. They're staging the John B. Keane classic, Sive. It begins tonight in the Drihid Art Centre at 8 o'clock and runs to Saturday. I highly recommend it. It's a wonderful play if you haven't seen it. It's one of John B.'s most famous and St. Bridget's Drama Group. Well... They just do a superb job. Drihid Art Centre from 8 o'clock tonight. Check it out for tickets. You will love it when you go to see it. I promise you. Now, time for this on Late Lunch. Five, four, three, two, one. Counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear. 
And today it's the number four from this very week in 1980. And it's a song has special memories for me because, again, would you believe I have this album in my attic? Nuclear Days is the album. It's by The Vapors. It's their most well-known song. It wasn't the first song they released from the album because they had an idea that this one would be a big hit. They didn't want to be known as a one-hit wonder band. Unfortunately, they are and probably always will be. They had a couple of other minor hits, but this was the real big one. Yes, number four from this week in 1980. It's The Vapors and Turning Japanese. Yes, number four this week in 1980 on my top five countdown. It went up uh, a couple of notches, but uh, number three actually it made it to was its highest place in the UK charts. Never made it to 201, but the most famous song from The Vapors. Number four this week, uh, three tomorrow, two on Thursday and the number one, of course, coming your way round about this time on late lunch on Friday afternoon. We were talking about it earlier on, myself and uh, Louise. Dulik, what is it about Dulik? How or what have they got that's just drawn another major lottery win to the village and who's won it we know where it's been sold we're going to hear from the owner in a moment 3,987,540 euro if you have the numbers and the ticket that is your massive win and we know the ticket was sold in Bose Eurospar in Dulik here's our Killian Murphy having a chat with the owner Shane so firstly Shane just your, your reaction to finding out the news over the last few days that, that your shop sold a winning ticket? Oh, it's just been kidding. It's been an absolute fantastic buzz and the, the real feel-good factor in the shop. Everybody's asking, who was it? Do you know who won it? And you're just trying to <laughs> respect that person's privacy and let them take it all in as well as us being the lucky person to sell them the ticket. A life-changing experience for that individual or individuals. The second time a, a, ticket has, a winning ticket has been sold in the lotto here in Dulik which is frankly ridiculous. I haven't done the maths on it, but I'm sure it's a couple of million, maybe trillion to one. Uh, it, it, it's great for the for the town. I know, look, it's fantastic. I mean, I know there's a shop in the village, an 8.9 million euro winner, and it's 3.9 million in a, in a village this size. It's just been phenomenal. And I just think the feel-good factor and to be part of the local community and here, I think it's just, it's all good news. And there's no, there's no good news is always good to have and it's hard to come by the whole sometimes anyway it's always welcome uh, you, you, you can't confirm that it's not the same people that won the uh, the 8.9 in, in the other shop <laughs> not that I've been told yet <laughs> what's next for Dulik is it is are you looking on to your millions now as opposed to Lotto's Lotto too small for Dulik I suppose as a small village we have we have to conquer the world now like, you know where do you stop <laughs> at this stage It'll nearly be a case of people coming from far and wide to, to get their tickets into Leak at this stage. Why? Well, okay, I think sometimes you, when you see this in a small village, like you, you, you know yourself, Killian, you drive through the village and it's two, sto- two shops here and we've, we've had huge success between both of us, so we're both happy and I think it's, it's good for the area and it's good for the local community. Um, I'm only here, I took the store over 12 months ago. We've just recently completed a revamping the store and I just think this is a real, the icing on the cake for me anyway. 
obviously yeah you're you're going to you're going to get a bit of money coming in yourselves into the shop will the will the person that sold the winning ticket get a, a, a bonus from it well look we'll um there's lots of chit chat going on at the moment that's a, that's a conversation off off record <laughs> Yes, our Killian Murphy there with Shane Bow, very happy man, and uh, the joy is just evident there as he speaks. And good luck to whoever has the ticket. That's almost thirteen million in six months between the two big wins going to the village of Delik. Now I can tell you, I, I'm aware Noel Heaney hasn't gone to ground. He's still out and about in Delik. I met Pascal and Catherine Flynn the weekend, and nothing has changed with them. So I don't think it's them. I was talking to Hilly Adrian Hilly, Hillman this morning. And he says, if I bucket one and I wouldn't be going to work at 6am, so I, I don't think Hilly has picked it up. But, you know, Trevor Connell hasn't been seen for a few days. So, mm, Trev, our Trev. Trevor Connell hasn't been seen for a few days. Speculation is rising and mounting. Of course, he's married to our Louise's sister. Can you throw any light, Louise, on that? I that Trevor actually haven't gone heard to from my no. sister either. Oh. Oh, 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 are we on to something here, perhaps? Yeah. Well, I know somebody... Wait for the postcard. They, if, they, if they've forgotten me now, there'll be trouble. Trev, Trev, is it you? Anyway, we know somebody with their finger on the pulse. Senator Sharon Kyogen is on the line. Sharon, can you throw any light on the win? I, well, I can confirm it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> but it, does, it doesn't matter who it is. It's just fantastic that it actually has been sold into Lake and Euros Bar. Um, we are really the luckiest village in Ireland. Don't forget, we shared part of that massive Euro million, the mm. 175 million back in 2019. We share, Some of our residents shared in uh, that amount of money as well. Last October, the, the, the 8.9 uh, million win and now today, yeah. the 3.9. It's just phenomenal. It's fantastic to see it. It's great that it's come to me. And we are, and fair play to Shane. Shane has invested into our town. He has improved that particular shop uh, magnificently. It's a great place to shop. And um, yes, I'm delighted. I believe Ashleen was the young lady that sold the winning ticket there. So I'm hoping that someone's going to be kind to Ashleen. Well, absolutely. What a, a privilege it is to sell a winning ticket uh, to somebody. And of course, I'm sure Shane will reward her. But Sharon, like for a small place, it is truly remarkable. But look, at you have a great community out there. You're at the heart of it yourself. There's a lot going on and there are many challenges to be faced by the community. Isn't it lovely to get this lift and great news? It is. It's absolutely great. And I remember the last time in... Um October when we won the, the, the last win down at Londres, the 8.9 million there. And there was great talk that day about it. There was huge excitement in the town. And next thing, about five o'clock that evening, it all went really quiet. That awful tragedy in Quishlaw happened. Mm. And there was no talk about it after that at all. There was nobody wondering who won the lotto. It meant very, very little at the end of the day. People went home and they were hugging their families. You know, tragedy can strike at any moment at any time. Mm. And I think that really brought it home. Money makes very little difference in one's life. But this obviously will be life-changing for whoever's after winning this today. Mm. We do believe it is a resident, somebody that lives here in our in our town. So we're delighted for them. Oh, that is just even better still that it's gone to somebody living there as well. And look, at generally, like when somebody has a win like this, you know, I don't have to tell you, you know, they're not just going to put it away I'm sure they're going to enjoy it and they're going to spend it. And please, God, it'll whittle its way out uh, further into the community. Absolutely. Look at it. And, uh, you know, that's what ha- has happened before. Um, people have invested in our community. Um, 
start a businesses in our community. Um, yeah, so look, at, I'm looking forward to seeing what, what their, where their journey is going to take them with this particular uh, 3.9 million. It is life-changing for, I don't know how many people are involved in, in, in this particular uh, win, yes. but it is life-changing for, the, for that family concern, that, that individual concern. And I wish them all the best. And hopefully some of it will trickle into, into our town yes. somewhere along the line. But we believe, we believe it is one yes. of our Brazilian, Brazilian, uh, Brazilian uh, members of oh, our community. Oh, there you go. And, oh, and I, do you know what? I'm absolutely delighted because you know what? They have been an integral part of our community for the last 15 years. They, they started to come uh, into our community and they're very much involved in our agricultural sector here, here in the town. Um, so I'm absolutely thrilled. They're part of our community um, and I'm so happy. I'm so happy that it, that, it, uh, uh, that it has come to somebody that has put down roots here in our town, that's working in our community and is living and making life good for them here, here, here in the week. Sharon, in half a minute, if it were you and you had the ticket, right, and it were you today picking up... What's the first thing you do with a sum of money like that? Oh my God, there's so many things that I'd love to do. I'd love to buy Kelly's pub that has been empty for years, turn it into a, a, to a youth centre, uh, an employment centre. That's one thing I would probably do. Um, yeah, and then some, having full-time mental health support as well around the town. Yeah, mm. so investing back into my community would be really, really important for me. Um Money comes and goes in life. Mm. And you know what? If you can change people's lives along, along the way, when you do have some money, yeah. that has to be the most fulfilling thing that you can ever do in life. It certainly is. And I know you're, woman that would, you're one woman that would absolutely do that. Sharon, thank you so much. Health thank to wear to everybody. Take care of yourself. You. Bye, bye, bye bye. That's Senator Sharon Keoghan there reflecting on the big win in league: €3,987,540. Euro. <laughs> I don't know what I do with the five. 140 euro sure <laughs> that'd be the start of it and then we'd look at the rest I'll tell you here's one boy that had let it rip to like Sharon I'll tell you this if I won the lotto or anything like that I'd make it work I'd get it out there into the community I'd make many people's many many people's lives better and so we'd have an old party ourselves and sure we might even go to Murdoch's wedding <laughs> And we wouldn't need an invite. And we'd pay for the flights and everything. And so we'd buy them an old present too. Anyway, thoughts, thoughts, dreams, dreams. Sure, if you haven't dreams and thoughts, you have nothing in your life. Thank you so much for your company right through this afternoon. We'll be back with midweek late lunch Wednesday at half past one. Eddie Caffrey's raring to go with the drive here on LMFM Radio. Have yourselves a lovely evening. See you tomorrow. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.